Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. So, maybe you're thinking about making some big changes or setting some ambitious goals for yourself. Maybe you want to lose 20 pounds or read through the Bible. Maybe you want to run a marathon or repair a broken relationship. Whatever your big goal is, the temptation is to expect to go straight from here to here, or from here to here. The reality is, there are a lot of small steps between big decisions and big results. Challenges and obstacles await. At some point, you might even want to quit. But stand firm. Don't be disappointed with slow progress. Don't be overwhelmed by the destination. Rather, focus on what you can do today with just one small step. All right, guys, it's so good once again to see. I do hope that you had a wonderful week. I want to just jump right back into our series that we've been going through. We've entitled it, I Will, Five Decisions That Will Change Your Life. So if you could, let's grab our Bibles, open up our Bible apps, and turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. That's where we're going to be at today. Really, just three verses, Ephesians 5, 15, 16, and 17. You can also get out your worship guide and follow along and take notes if you want to. So um, we're in week number three of this series, um, I, I Will, and, and each week we're kind of looking at different decisions. Um, and these decisions that we've been looking at, um, they kind of build upon one another. And if you maybe missed a week or two, you can go back and look at them on podcast or, or whatever. But um, just a brief review. Week number one, the first decision that we looked at is I will study God's Word, all right? And it's true if, if we as a people or individually decide, hey, I will make the decision, I will indeed study God's Word, it's going to change your life. And then last week we continued and we looked at, I will decide to think correctly. That is, I will decide to think biblically. So if you had not decided in week one to read God's Word, it would have been impossible to move on to the second decision to actually think biblically because you have to know the Bible before you can think the Bible. So you see these decisions are kind of building upon one another. And so today we get to week number three, and this week it as well builds upon the first two decisions. So here's what we're looking at today. Today we're looking at I will live God's priorities. I will live God's priorities. So it works out this way. Week one, I'm going to read and study God's Word, and that's going to result in me thinking biblically, so I'll make that decision, and then that's going to result in me living God's priorities out in my life. Because here's the truth. Here's the truth. We know this, but you can read God's Word and know God's Word. Okay, I'm reading it. Cool. And then what you can do, you can say, I can even think biblically but then you fail to actually live it out in your life. And I can give you lots of examples. Um, well, here's a, simple, here's a simple example. Okay, So maybe, maybe you read the Word. I've decided to read the Word of God. I'm reading the Word of God. And the Word of God says, you got, you're going to love my neighbors. 
It says that, all right. So then you think, you know what, I'm going to move from that, I'm going to actually think biblically, so now I think that I should love my neighbor, right? But then, you know, a couple of weeks pass by, or months, or years, and you realize if you've actually failed to love your neighbor, what's the advantage to that? There's, there's no advantage at all. I, I see... Man, I see this working out in the lives of some young men that, that, that I love dearly. Once again, the same kind of concept. They'll read the Word of God. They'll say, the Word of God says, you know what? I need to be pure until I get married. And they'll say, I read that. And I can talk to them and they can say, you know what, man? You know what? I actually think that. But then they'll come into my office or they'll call me or they'll text me. And the reality is they fail to actually live it out. So that's what we're looking at. How are we to live out God's Principles. How are we to do this? How am I going to live in light of the things that I know to be true about my good, gracious God? Well, the Apostle Paul tells us in the text we're looking at, Ephesians chapter 5, 15 through 17, he's going to tell us this, that if we are thinking on about three things, remembering three things, that we will indeed be able to walk in light of the things that we know to be true about our God. So let me just read the text. I'm going to read the text, the three verses, and then we're going to walk through them together as God's people, and we're going to let the weight of God fall on us. Let me just read Ephesians 5.15. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. And once again, we're talking about living in light of what we know. Look, here's what he says, verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk. The you is Christian's Not as unwise, but as wise, verse 16, making the best use of the time because the days are evil, verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord, the will of, but understand what the will of the Lord is. All right. Church, there's there's three verses. And in these three verses, I believe as we walk through them, we're going to see three things that we need to be thinking on and remembering if we want to have God's priorities in our life. So let's just walk through this. Starting in verse 15, the Apostle Paul tells us where to think on, where to remember. I call it the Christian's life principles. The Christian's life principles. Let me read verse 15 again. Check it out, church. Look, it's just this command, it's emphatic. Carefully, then, how you Christians, that's us, talking to us, walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Okay, notice, he's telling us Christians to do something. What is he telling us to do? He says, we are to look carefully at what? How we are walking. Notice, he doesn't say that we need to begin looking. Because it's not as though we're not already paying attention to the way that we're walking, but he's saying, hey guys, you need to be careful. You need to look carefully because there's a tendency that you may not be walking sufficiently or as you've been called to or intently upon this walk that we're called to walk. He's saying just because you're looking don't mean you're actually seeing. And I was thinking, if you, if you, have, ki- if you have kids... You know what the Apostle Paul is talking about. Or better yet, let me just, let me, let me bring this to, let's, let me make this personal. If, if, this is, if you're married to a man like me, you know what's going on here. Because this is what happened. This is what goes down in my house. This is me. This is me in, the, in, in, the, in life. This is me, okay? So let's say this. Let's say you got my wife. My wife, Charity. Let's say, let's say she's in the kitchen and she says, she's going to make some chocolate chip cookies. All right? 
And she, she's making the chocolate chip cookies. She goes, hey, Travis, can you go into the pantry and can you get a bag of chocolate chip cookies? My response is, I was born to get chocolate chip cookies. That's one of the things I do. I go into the pantry and I start looking for chocolate, the chocolate chip cookies and I'm moving things around and I cannot find them. I'm looking, but I can't find them. So what do I say? From the pantry, I yell out, hey, baby, we out of chocolate chips. And she's like, no, Travis, we're not out of chocolate chips. She says that, she'll say this. Here's what I want you to do, Travis. I want you to go into the pantry. I want you to look at the left-hand side at the bottom beside the sugar. You'll see the chocolate chip cookies. She says that. So I go and I follow exactly what she says. And guess what? I don't see no chocolate chip cookies. Or chocolate chip. The chocolate chips for the cookies. And I say, I go, baby, baby, we're out. I'm telling you. I'm looking and we're out. And you know what she does? She walks in there. She goes exactly to the place that she said they would be, and guess what's there? The chocolate chips. They're, they're there. I'm like, they just appeared. <laughs> I was looking. Yeah, I was looking, but I wasn't looking carefully. And that's what the Apostle Paul's saying here. That's what he's telling us, church. Oh, you may be looking, but he wants us to be alert. He wants us to make sure that we're looking carefully. Don't be living your life. Don't, hey, don't, hey, don't be walking around looking at things like I'm looking for chocolate chips in the pantry. He says, no, do it carefully. Because I'm telling you right now, it may be irritating to my wife when I'm perpetually not finding things. But I'm telling you what, it's devastating if you do that in the Christian life. And so he's saying, look carefully. All right. Cool. Well, tell me this, Paul. What exactly is it that you would have us look carefully at? What exactly are we supposed to be monitoring so intently? He says, look carefully, then look. How you what? Walk. Right? Look carefully how you walk. That's how you live your life. That's how you conduct your Life, that's the way you live out your life. Once again, it's not like we're not paying attention, we're not looking. It's not, not like we're not we're aware, we're supposed to be guarding our life. But he's saying, make sure that you look carefully at the way, Christian, make sure you look carefully at the way that you're living and walking out your life. And then he says, walk wisely, right? Live your life wisely as opposed to unwisely. Now, I find this interesting. I find this interesting. So, let me work this out. I want you to follow me here because this is really interesting to me. I, I kind of wrestled with this. Because he's sitting there and he's telling us, he's commanding us to walk wisely. All, all Christians, it's, all, it's universal, all Christians walk wisely. Paul seems to assume that we all have the ability to walk wisely. That's what, if, if, he, if he did not assume that, he couldn't, if he didn't think we could all do it, he wouldn't be commanding us all to do it. And so I read that, and I'm like, how is, how is that, Paul? Paul, why are you so confident that we have the ability to actually walk wisely? I'm like, Paul, have you met all of us? Like, like, like I haven't met all of us. I've met some of us, and I'm kind of concerned. Like, I know one of us. I know one, I know one of us who is, like, so amazed at the fact that they can put cheese inside of a pizza crust. And I think about that guy, and I'm like, Paul, can, this, can that guy walk wisely? Because you're telling him to walk wisely. 
Evidently, Paul says, without a doubt, absolutely, no questions asked. If you're a Christian, if you've been saved, if God the Spirit indwells you, you do indeed possess the ability to walk wisely. You do. Here's the truth. Before God saved you, we all walked foolishly. But when God the Spirit indwelled you, God saved you, God indwells you, he gives you the desire to walk in a wise way, and then he gives you the power to do it. You see, let me just say this, it's Christians alone that have true wisdom. You know, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Because I know some wise people who don't love Jesus. Well, they don't have, let me tell you, walking in wisdom, true wisdom is this, Christians alone, every one of us, even the guy who can't believe that they put cheese inside a pizza crust, even he knows this, that Jesus is our only hope for salvation. That's true wisdom. That's true wisdom. We Christians know that Jesus bore our sins in our place on the cross. That's true wisdom. He's saying walk in that. Christians find their joy in Jesus. Christians submit to Jesus. Christians glorify Jesus. We all indeed, I don't care who you are, if you are a believer, you have the ability to walk in that wisdom. We are wise. Paul says we are wise. Now, now church, make sure you're walking in light of that knowledge that you possess. Look carefully. Watch carefully. That's what he's saying. It's easy to get off track. I tried to think of some of the ways that I've seen Christians walk in unwise ways. I came up with three. I want to share these with you. I'm going to walk kind of rapidly through these. These are the three, from my experience, the three predominant ways that Christians in the new urban south, which is us, tend to walk unwisely. One, we don't completely believe God. We don't. Here's what I mean. Maybe you believe God for salvation, but you do not continue to believe in Him or for Him in everything else. For example, you will sit there or we'll sit there, I'll run into someone and say, I believe God can save me, but I don't believe Him when He says, well, we'll get to the hard ones. I'm starting to say hard, but the ones we struggle with, I see them. I don't believe him when he says that I should be pure until I get married. I don't believe him. Oh, I'll believe him for salvation, but I don't believe that. Or this one. I don't, I don't, I don't believe God. I, man, I run into this way too many times. I don't believe God when he sits there and tells me that I'm to be a member of a church. I'm to be in church. I'm to be a part of the body. I'm not to forsake the assembly. I don't believe that. Right, so we don't believe, we don't completely believe God with everything he says. Paul's saying, you're a fool. You're a fool. That is unwise walking. Don't do it. He's God. He's good. Two, I see this one too. We only obey God when convenient. Oh, this is so rampant. This is rampant in the cultural Christianity, Right? Like, oh man, I'm gonna, I believe God when I read that he loves me. I love that. I, I, I believe God in all the things that I want to believe that are about me. Well, I tell you what, when I'm reading the word of God and it says something I don't like or it's inconvenient, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. That's walking unwisely. Once again, we could work this out and 
A hundred different ways. Let's, let's go back to just church attendance. Man, I don't know. The greatest joys in my life have been around the church and God's people and attending, attending church. And, and, and man, I remember, man, you, some of you guys know this about me, but you know, working and living in a predominantly Islamic setting and God would save people and people would walk for miles and miles just so they could gather with the believers and, and fellowship and to sing but somehow in this land where we live, we're so blessed with churches and churches' opportunities that somehow we don't put a lot of weight on it. And we're like, man, I know God. I know, yeah, I know Hebrews. I know he don't forsake the assembly. I know God wants us to be here. I know that I got gifts. Every one of you, if you were saved, God has given you gifts. And they're not just for your benefit. They're for all of us. And when you sit there and say, it is inconvenient for me to go to church I'm going to sleep in, or I'm going to go do this, or I'm going to do that. So you don't follow the word of God. You don't do what he says. You don't bring those gifts to the assembly. Therefore, we are lacking. I'm lacking. Oh, I'm selfish. I mean, I'm zealous for the Lord, but I'm I'm se- I am selfish, man. I want the whole body here, man. But we do that, and Jesus says, it's, it's, you're being a fool, You're walking unwisely if you only believe in God or obey God when it is convenient for you. Third thing, we don't commit to God fully. Once again, this is unwise walking, right? Um, Believers are unwise when we put our hearts or set our hearts on the wrong things, right? So real quick, for example, we're going to pack our week full of activities, we stay exceedingly busy. We do this thing, kids doing that thing, spouse doing that thing. All these things are being done. You're busy, things are adding up, and what you do is you give God the margin. You got whatever you need. Hey, listen, whatever you need, if it can fit into the margin, I'm committed. I'm going to commit. I'm committed to the margin. Paul says that's unwise. That's unwise, all right? So that's the first thing he wants us to remember. We need to remember the Christian's life principles. And that's what we just went through. Second thing we need to remember, we're going to keep moving to the next verse, verse 16. Remember the Christian's limited privileges. Here's what I mean by this. And we're going to walk through it in verse 16, right? This life we have, you and I, is a gift to us for God's glory and for our joy. We often fail to realize that this time is limited, but we only have so much time, and he's saying, use it wisely. Use it wisely. Let me read verse 16. Here's what he says. Once again, this is emphatic. I believe it's, it's an imperative. Look, telling us, Christian, making the best use of the time. Why? Because the days are evil. All right? It is easy to forget that our time is limited. And so what I think ends up happening is instead of doing what we know we ought to be doing, doing what the Lord has laid on us, empowered us, and called us to do, we think this. I've thought this. I'm not going to do it today because I got tomorrow. Paul's saying, think again, Christian. Think again. A few things I'll pull out here to, to really hammer this home first thing, look, notice, our time is limited. Our time is limited. Now, you see it 
in the text I just read, but in the original Greek, it is even more powerful, okay? You can underline that word time and you can circle it. You see, in, in Koine Greek, there's two words for time. One is chronos, and that is what, that's the word you would use for clock time, right? It measures the hours and the minutes and the seconds, all right? The second word in Koine Greek is kairos, that is a fixed amount of time. It is um, a time that has boundaries, right? It's a time that's allocated. It's like a, a, a season, a period. In this text, the word that's used is kairos. It's a fixed, it's very specific. He's saying, Christian, you have a fixed amount of time. Every one of us, you have a fixed amount of time. Use it wisely. Use it wisely. That's, that's what he's saying here. God has allotted each of us a specific amount of time. Use it wisely. Second, notice this. There's two paths. So we don't know exactly each of us how much time we have been allotted. But he says, no matter, you're to make the best use of it. How? And you go back to verse 15. By walking wise as opposed to unwise. So that's how you're going to make the best use of this time. All right? Walking wisely as opposed to unwise. So for Christians, you get this whole, this kind of, this, it's this picture. It's kind of being painted a picture. You've got these two paths. Now, these are not Salvitic paths. We're talking about Christians. You, you, can, you can walk wisely in the time that you're allotted, this period that you've been allotted, or you can walk unwisely. And you get, you get like the wise path. And the wise path leads to life and joy and meaning and depth. That's the wise path. And walk on it. With the allotted time that you have, walk on it. But then there is what he calls an unwise path. Let me tell you something about the unwise path real quick. The unwise path is louder. There's more lights on the unwise path there's a whole lot more skin on the unwise path, path, and there is more glamour. But it leads to brokenness, it leads to despair, it leads to emptiness, it leads to what I would call shallow trivialities, things that are of not much worth. So the question is, with the allotted amount of time that you have, what path are you going to walk on? I think you can think about this in a big picture way. I think, I think you think Paul is kind of asking us, when you look back on your life or you look back on your days, how are you spending your time? Right? Now, I'm not saying we're going to be reading our Bible 24-7, going door-to-door, knocking on, you know, giving out tracts. And that's what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this. Is there a pattern in the way you use your time? Like, are you using your time to glorify God? Are you using your time to make much of his kingdom? So you're like, well, man, I don't know. I spend a whole lot of time at work. Okay, okay, I get that, okay? Let's take work. When you go to work, don't go just to make money. Don't go just for a salary. Don't go just to get a promotion. You go to work so that you can make much of Jesus, so you can glorify him. That's a big thing. Do it to his glory. Do it all to his glory. You come out, um, oh man, I spend a whole lot of time parenting. Okay, good, good, I get it, I get it. But when you're spending your time parenting, are you doing it for the glory of God? What about spending time with your spouse? Are you doing it for the glory of God? With your friends? 
I mean, God's given us a lot of time. <laughs> He's given us all the exact same amount of time every day, 24 hours. Now we're not allotted the same length. And God wants you to spend time with your friends. And God wants you to enjoy a good meal. God wants you to do all these things, but he wants you to do it for his glory. That's what he says. Do you count your time precious? Third thing, from that verse we can see, why? Why, why, why am I to make the best use of my time as a believer? Because, and this is the third point, or C, the days are evil. The days are evil. Church, I think this is a call to remember that we presently live in an evil age. And I'm not talking about end of days, go off the grid, apocalypse type, you know, zombie kind. I'm not talking about that kind of end of days. I'm not talking about that kind of evil. What I want us to understand, and what I think he's saying here, is the world that we live in is actively and persistently trying to disciple you. It's trying to disciple every one of us. The world wants us all to be worldlings. And it's throwing everything at you all the time. We've got to be aware of this. It's pulling you in every single way, pulling you away from what is right and pulling you towards what is bad and, and harmful. The world's trying to disciple you. Not Christian disciple you. I'm talking about worldly disciple you. And they're throwing television at you. They're throwing movies at you, social media at you. They're throwing music at you. It's the air that we breathe. And man, they're spending a whole lot of money to do it. I think, you know, tomorrow's a Super Bowl and what does it say? I don't, I'm not even going to lie because I can't remember, but I read somewhere the amount it costs for a 30-second commercial. Millions of dollars. Why? Because they want you to buy their stuff. They want you to think like them, act like them. The days are evil. The days are evil, Christian, and you have been allotted a specific amount of time. And within that time, we're to use it in a way that glorifies God. First, we think on the Christian's life principles. Second, we think of Christian's limited privileges. That's time. Verse 17, we're going to think, think on, remember, the Christian's eternal purpose. This is verse 17. Let me read this. Therefore, that means because of everything he just said, do not be foolish, but understand but understand what the will of the Lord is, all right? So he's saying we do have the ability to walk and act foolishly. This reinforces what he's already said. Don't be unwise. Because I'm telling you to walk in an unwise way on purpose is a way to be purposely foolish. The man or the woman who determines to walk in an unwise way, he's saying that is foolishness. It's foolishness. So how do I fight this foolishness? He says one way. He says one way. The only cure is to find and follow the will of the Lord. Oh, we've talked about this before. Do you, do you remember um, the Lord's, Jesus' model prayer? He taught his disciples what? To pray, not, what, not my will be done, but your will be done. God's will be done. That's to be our, our prayer, right? 
the wise man, the wise woman, seeks out God's will and does God will. What he wants, right? We know, we love, we desire, we want to do God's will. We delight in doing the will of God the Father. Now, we've talked about this before. I want to go over it real quickly. I believe that many of us have a wrong understanding of the will of God. In fact, we believe, we think, this is unbiblical, but it's still rampant in the church and in thinking, that God's will will not lead me to joy. So if I sit there and I pray for God's will to be done in my life, that means I'm actively praying that I will not have joy in my, my, my life. And people walk in that. I've had people say, you know, I'm having too much fun. This can't be God's will, right? Or they say, I know I'm doing God's will if I'm miserable, right? That's how they determine. They say, I know when I'm doing what God wants me to do. If I'm living a miserable life, that must mean I'm, do, I'm making God happy. If I'm not happy, God must be happy. And when God is happy, it must mean that I can't be happy. And so we don't look for God's will. We don't want to do God's will. But nothing could be farther from the truth. Here's my question. How is God glorified if you and I begrudgingly obey him? How is God glorified if I worship him because I fear him? There's no glory there. I'm a dad. I'm a dad. How am I glorified if my son obeys me because he fears me? That's messed up, man. John 10.10, Jesus says this, I have come to give life and to give it in, you guys know, abundance. That's joyful. That's an abundance. So that means biblically that God's will leads you to joy. That means God's will is something that we should seek. It's something that we should desire. It's something that we should want. Why? Because it's going to bring us the deepest joy. It's going to bring us the deepest happiness. It's going to make us closer to him and to accomplish the things that he's giving us to accomplish. So let's, let's go back to some of the examples we've already used. Church. The assembly. So that means any time there's a command in the Bible given to God's people, it was given to us for our joy. So when God says, do not forsake the assembly, it's there to give you joy. Don't run from that. He knows all things. And he says, I've designed the church in such a way you want your deepest joy. Man, you get in church, man. What about purity, right? Man, I run into people say, man, God must not want us, God must, God must not want us to be happy because why in the world would he say, you know, about purity and stuff like that? Well, know this. God put those confinements in there. He put those rules in there. He put those precepts in there not to rob from you, but to give to you. We could go on and on, on and on. God's not distilling from you. God wants to give you. Therefore, we should all desperately, continually, and always pray for God's will to be done. So, that's the third decision. The third, I will. I will choose to live God's priorities. Week one. Week one, what? I'm going to read God's word. I'm going to read God's word. 
Week two, I'm gonna think biblically. I'm gonna decide to think biblically. I'm gonna think the way that I've been taught as I've read the word of God. Three, I'm gonna live out God's priorities. I'm gonna live out God's priorities and none of this will happen by accident. So, how do we live out God's priority? Just a real quick recap. One, remember the Christian's life principles. Look, right? Look carefully how you walk. Look carefully how you walk. Not as unwise, but wise. To remember your limited privileges, right? Time. Make the best use of it. Why? Because the days that you live in are evil. Three, remember your eternal purpose. Therefore, because of all of this, don't be foolish. Understand, seek, and know the will of God. That is our desire to be a people who live in light of the truth that we know. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please, stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.